When there's a treatment in which the cells can be injected directly into the target area, which is often the case with the joint injection into a closed space, then there is a broader range of types of stem cells that will be beneficial. Okay. So injecting a joint, mesenchymal stem cells from fat, mesenchymal stem cells from cord blood, mesenchymal stem cells from the bone marrow, they can all be beneficial. I'm with Dr. Todd Ovakaitis. He's a medical doctor who is one of the early pioneers in this field, this incredible growing field of regenerative medicine. Dr. Todd, it's great to have you on the set. I would like you to describe why it is that stem cells are able to more or less not age. There's only possibly two types of stem cells within the body. One is sperm cells due to, we believe, telomerase. And the other are what you've termed as V cells. And this is new work, correct? Also sometimes known as B cells. So give me a little rundown of what the acronym or what the initials stand for and why these cells are so special. Mm -hmm. So a V cell stands for very small embryonic-like stem cell. Okay. And that is important because there are very early stage stem cells, but just past the embryonic stem cell stage. And there was a big controversy, especially in one of the prior administrations, the Bush administration, where there was restriction on research in stem cells, but it was really targeted to embryonic stem cells. And mainly because of the concern about abortion and them, their origin and coming from cells that could have been, say, fetal tissue, for example, right? That was a big part of it, that okay. right to life issue and mm -hmm. the appropriateness of the type of tissue from which the cells would be harvested. That was one of the ethical issues. Uh -huh. Another issue is the more medical issue with embryonic stem cells, which is that they are so powerful that they can actually form tumors. So it's the only type of stem cell that has been associated with any significant potential adverse effect. And that term is tetrogenic, is it? Uh, the teratoma? challenge is exactly teratoma formation. Okay. And that is a benign tumor, and it's a weird tumor because they can grow very big, as big as a cantaloupe, and have all the different types of tissues in the body. So in essence, it can be a cantaloupe-sized hairball that has skin and teeth and nails and blood vessels, and it's really gross and ugly, and don't want one of those. You don't want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and what's important is just past that stage, we get into the realm of the so-called V cells, which are very small, and they're pluripotential. Meaning? Which means very importantly for regenerative medicine, that they can become any type of cell in the body. Potentially over 400 different, 420 different cell types. It could become a liver, it could become a spleen, literally? Yes, and wow. in fact, depending upon the conditions in which you place the V cells, it has been shown that they can become nerves or heart muscle or skeletal muscle or pancreatic cells or cartilage or whatever type of cell that 
a particular organ or tissue might need for a regenerative purpose. So when you say you place, are you talking about if you inject directly into the knee, which at, at some point we mentioned uh, in our prior conversation that you could do it almost blindfolded, it's so easy to inject, or into the shoulder, whereas the hip's a little more difficult. Right. Uh, but if you were injecting, say, towards the spleen or in the lungs, does that just go into a general IV and it hits the lungs first? Is that a, Give me a little rundown so I get a sense for how do we correct these 420 different cell types of which unfortunately most of us are aging regardless of, let's say most we all are aging right we all have a sentence that at the end stage there is going to be an end point so how do we fight this disease that i'm going to call disease aging and more importantly what are the applications uh and so let me start with the first question before we get to the application so injection and placement where, where are we at with that mm -hmm. well stem cell therapy in general is a very broad topic. We could spend a whole week just talking about all the different types of stem cells that there are in the body. There's a whole hierarchy. Okay. And I'll keep it really simple. Mm -hmm. It starts out with the true embryonic cells, which are called totipotent, which means that a single embryonic stem cell has the ability to make a whole new person. And that's extremely powerful and more powerful than is generally desired from a therapeutic standpoint. And there are some labs around the world working with them, yet I think the potential hazards are so great that why not work with a cell that we know is safe, which is just one step beyond it, which is pluripotential. And what that means is that as we undergo embryogenesis, the embryo splits into three different layers, the primary germ layers, mm -hmm. and each of those layers makes a whole different set of tissues. So the ectoderm makes the skin and the nervous system, for example. The mesoderm is the muscles and joints and cartilage and tendon, and the endoderm is largely digestive functions like the liver and pancreas and stomach and intestines and colon, for example. And there is a process whereby you start with one type of cell, three layers, and then everything else. So a pluripotential stem cell has the ability to go into any of those three layers and make any of the types of cells. So for stem cell purposes, if the goal is to actually replace an aging or damaged organ with true robust cells, then the pluripotential cells are going to be the most generally powerful. The biggest issue with stem cell therapy is a, are you able to actually get the cells there where you need them? Okay. B, if you actually get the cells there, will they stay there? Mm -hmm. And then three, if they go there and stay there, will you actually get the repair that you're looking for? Now, I know you've created a novel uh, additional treatment to get the stem cells, essentially to go to the area and remain as much as possible. Uh, and you referred to it as photoacoustic. Is correct. that correct? That is the right word. I was paying attention. <laughs> and by the way, we, you're a good student. We, we've known each other for quite a while uh, through mutual acquaintance and uh, th through through uh, going to conferences. But um, we were together at the 60th birthday of of Tony Robbins, and we just met each other like for a reason, for right. sure. So. 
Dr. Todd Ovakitis, this therapy, so what would you do? You would hold this device, like say in the shoulder area, you would do an injection and the stem cells are essentially gonna stay in that area. Did I describe it in layman's terms correct? When there's a treatment in which the cells can be injected directly into the target area, which is often the case with the joint injection into a closed space, then there is a broader range of types of stem cells that will be beneficial. Okay. So injecting a joint, mesenchymal stem cells from fat, mesenchymal stem cells from cord blood, mesenchymal stem cells from the bone marrow, they can all be beneficial, as well as the type of cells that we work with, which are the very small embryonic-like stem cells, abbreviated VSELs, and more conveniently, called simply V-cells, like V for victory cells. Okay, and that's cool. It's easy to remember, uh, sell those cells, V-cell, <laughs> and with minus one L. Right. And so with these kind of therapies and in treatments, we can then move the stem cells probably to the abdomen and the pancreatic area. Uh, is there a contraindication for cancer patients? I know one of the colleagues out there in public forum um, addressed that issue and claimed that uh, his work with uh, cord blood stem cells, uh, specifically, I guess, MSC, that uh, he did not see an increased risk or worsening of the cancer condition. Uh, indeed, he purported that there was some improvement, possibly due to improving improvement of the immune system. Is that possible? A very good question. It's still a research area that is the relationship of stem cells, different types of stem cells and different application and delivery methods for treating cancer, or at least in association with cancer. Some might have a bad knee and you want to fix their knee and they have cancer as underlying problem. And thus far, there has been no association with the use of stem cells in any aggravation of cancer. Good to hear. And there are two areas that suggest a potential benefit. One, as you say, is that it may strengthen the immune system. Okay. I mean, part of the immune system is the so-called natural killer system for its ability to literally find a tumor cell and literally like hand-to-hand -hand combat, the natural killer cells will specifically eliminate a tumor cell. There are some people doing work, primarily in Mexico, not so much here, where a person's natural killer cells are harvested, expanded in culture, and given back to the person to give them a specifically augmented anti-cancer immune system. That is one of the more advanced methodologies. There's another area that's also extremely interesting, which is the suggestion that a normal stem cell may be able to instruct a cancer stem cell to behave more normally if it's in the right proximity with the right communication. Yes, I've read that in the journals and the research. That's exciting. Dr. Todd Ovakaitis, uh, we're gonna have in the show notes some ways to reach and contact you. Uh, we're gonna continue with another segment. Please share, this is amazing breakthrough research and information. And I understand that um, not only is it research, but there's application. Certain people are candidates to benefit and they're evaluated individually. And those who are accepted into that uh, process uh, can avail themselves and they don't have to necessarily travel out of country. That, that, that's the most exciting thing to me because I've been all over the world. I've had treatments in various 
parts of the world. And um, I, I'm just excited that uh, we have an opportunity now to assist people who live in our own country. And a lot of this work with stem cells originated with some of the top scientists. And I know in the next segment, we're going to talk about some of the Nobel Prize laureates that you've been in contact with and uh, some of the publications that are coming out. This is Dr. Nick Delgado. Stay strong, living beyond 100, healthy and happy. Thanks, everyone. Dr. Nick Delgado here with Dr. Todd Ovakaitis. And in our continuing pursuit of the evolution of restoration, that is rejuvenative medicine. So to regenerate the body is a challenge because each time the cells replicate, they're getting a little bit older. The chromosomes, the telomeres, there are a lot of discussions about the higher incidence of related disease conditions, particularly even the immune system. One of our colleagues uh, stated, Dr. Dipmarai Maharaj, that by the age of 65, that the immune system declines uh, in the over 1,000%. I believe he quoted 6,000%. And that concerns me because we hear of the coronavirus, we hear of different things that people are susceptible and the people who are most likely to develop or worse succumb and the mortality incidence is far greater for the weakened or the aged. So this field of um, intervention and some might call it biological medicine and regeneration. Let's start with nerve degeneration because it's troubling that so many people uh, fall into the category of either Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and without making disease claims, I would just like to discuss a little bit about the potential of what we talked about in the earlier segment about these V cells. And what is the probability of helping people? And, and I know there's some extreme issues such as ALS and MS, but lupus, autoimmune diseases, but let's start with uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. I don't know if they're connected at all, but let's first address the, these potential troubling brain disorders. Mm -hmm. Well, we spoke a little bit about the V-cells in the first segment. And what is unique about them is that unlike other types of stem cells, and we particularly talk about mesenchymal stem cells from fat or bone marrow or even from umbilical cord blood. And in general, in the U.S., we really focus on autologous cells because that's the environment that we're in that we are allowed to use. And let me speak to the limitations of the others and the advantages of using the V-cells. Okay. So, for example, mesenchymal stem cells from fat if you use them to repair a joint and you're actually injecting them into that space, there can be a very good result. The limitation of those cells is that, as you described, those cells undergo an aging process like the other cells of the body. Yes. So it has been shown that the mesenchymal stem cells from fat from a 70-year-old person don't work nearly as well as from a 20-year-old person because their telomeres are shortening with age just like the other cells of the body. Nor as good as a day-old stem cell, if you will. Or not nearly as good as a newborn stem cell, correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the other limitation, if you would like to repair a brain or provide the substance for new neurons, is that it's hard to administer them. And this gets into a size issue. 
the typical diameter of a mesenchymal stem cell is 12 to 30 microns. Well, okay, so a red blood cell is about seven microns, so um, right. it, it's four times, five times bigger. Right, and a pulmonary capillary, as you recall, is Nine about microns. Even a little bit less than that. Okay. It's roughly about the same oh, as the red blood cell. Oh, I said that wrong. Nine microns for the red blood cell, seven microns for the smallest capillary uh, exactly. transfer beds. Yeah. Right. So the challenge with the mesenchymal stem cells for a systemic purpose is that it's trying to get a 12 to 30 micron ball through a 7 micron tube. Okay. It's simply a mechanical issue. The cells are too big to pass through the small capillary. Understood. In contrast, the V cells, which the V stands for very small, are truly very small, which is roughly 2 to 4 microns. Wow. So they readily pass through the pulmonary circulation, and they can go anywhere in the body. Including passing the blood-brain barrier? Including passing the blood-brain barrier. Okay. And they have been shown... Even in a Petri dish, under the right conditions, they can become new nerves. So that's part of the equation, that they are small enough and robust enough to be an official. The other factor that is critically important and astounding, I mean, for us as those visionaries that have a passion for transforming our biological story, that we really believe that we will have the knowledge to have a very healthy lifespan well past 100, not just be alive, but to be healthy, robust, functional, and pump a lot of weight an hour like you have a world record in doing, which I'm, is super cool. <laughs> I'm all in, trust me. This is what the show's about, but go ahead. Yes. So the coolest thing, the most profound thing about these cells is that at or around the time we are born, they go into hibernation, which means that circulating in the blood as reserve cells that might come into action someday. They're not replicating, they're not dividing, which means that their telomeres are not shortening. Which means that, and this work is proving this out, that whether someone is one year old, five, 50, or even 90 years old, their telomere length is comparable to a newborn or very young child's level, so that it's almost like you had saved your cord blood your entire life and those cells are ready to repair anything wow. at the vitality of a newborn cell. So essentially immortal cells, true immortal cells that have the ability to possibly somehow, when you collect them in sufficient concentration and they go to the right area, it sends a signal to the surrounding cells, hey, become young because we're young. And it's interesting because I know there's some rat studies where they've taken, say, young blood and injected it purportedly it's part of a stem cell, but they're not really isolating them. And these old mice are becoming young mice. Literally, they're, you know, you can see the reversal of aging in, in these mice. Somehow there's been difficulty in replicating that in humans though. So how is it that you're able to, do we know why the body keeps these cells in circulation, but apparently doesn't really use them? Uh, what, what's going on? Do we know? That is one of the mysteries. Okay. Now, there are times that the cells will come out of their reservoir pool. For example, if there's a heart attack, stroke, or motor oh. vehicle accident, they may come out. And I believe those people that have the accelerated repair after a heart attack, that the damage is done, but repairs so quickly, they're appears to be no residual defect, they're probably the people 
that had a very active V-cell response that did a very rapid repair. And once they finish that repair, they go back into hibernation. Wow, it's like these superheroes appear when we need them. <laughs> that is impressive. Okay, well, this is Dr. Nick Delgado. We're gonna return with our next segment and you're gonna learn about these superheroes. Thank you very much. About a revolutionary intervention that may hold the promise of the future now that is the ability to rejuvenate tissues of the body that are failing. Imagine the number of people who are waiting for liver transplants, kidney transplants, heart transplants. Is it possible, Dr. Todd Ovakaitis, that using, as we've been talking a little bit about these very small cells, very small, is it, did I miss Embryonic-like cells. Embryonic-like cells, that as you collect them from the individual, which is now essentially legal in the US, we just can't attach claims to them. So we're gonna be very cautious for you to know that we're not telling you you're gonna cure or mitigate a disease, but we're talking about actual clinical uh, cases, probably nearly a thousand people already. And even to your amazement, there's astonishing outcomes. So no cases alike or similar. So let's be clear about that. But in the case of say a Parkinson's patient, if you can recall one that you treated and did they already have the tremors and there was full on like nerve degeneration and did you see some return with those kind of interventions huh. <laughs> i'll be careful how i state my response here what we're doing and i really haven't given the electrifying new information yet okay which is the discoveries that we've made that make the V-cells useful. Okay. And there's two that are critically important, and it relates to what we've been able to see in Parkinson's, for example. It means we're on cue. Yes. Good, good, <laughs> good rollover. Go ahead. <laughs> and the first is that our lab has developed the expertise in an area that you mentioned called photoacoustic resonance. Okay. And I'll state it very simply here. It's easy to describe if we can show the diagrams of the waveforms. Simplistically, we have invented an optical device that converts an ordinary laser that is limited in its depth of penetration to about five millimeters and can only create signals so quickly to a different type of beam, a different restructured waveform that goes much more deeply through the body and can create very high frequencies that match how molecules vibrate. So literally are singing the song of the molecules. And we have happened upon what I would call the song of the stem cells. So if we pass a beam of this reconfigured light through a flask of stem cell-like cells, we've seen 24 hours later that the cells line up where the beam has been. So it's a tremendous attraction signal for where the stem cells go and where the stem cells stick. So with our work with these cells, there are two steps that are critically important. The first is that we've created the wake-up call mm -hmm. that causes the cells to arouse from their dormancy. And we've proven this in a laboratory with a doctor named Peter Hollins, 
who was a Cambridge-trained PhD who studied with the Nobel laureate, Sir Robert Edwards, won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of in vitro fertilization. So that is the caliber of lab that we have done this validation work where we've proven we've taken the V-cells out of dormancy and bring them into metabolic activity and readiness to rebuild and repair. Okay, so for our lay public, and we do have a scientific and medical audience as well, what you've described is rather critical and important because if you simply, and if I understand the steps of the procedure, we take an individual, we draw their blood like a normal blood draw. Uh, I'm assuming they're somehow spun to be able to identify or locate these V cells. Is there a step that I missed? Right, there's okay. a separation step that's validated also. Okay, mm -hmm. and then from that we collect hopefully 5 million to upward to 18 million stem cells, and we inject them close to the site of desired improvement, if you will, whether it be a, a, a problematic knee or a shoulder or a liver, if you will. And then we're using this device that penetrates about five millimeters, so about the amount of depth that would reach the tissue, say, of the spleen or the pancreas or the knee. and and the stem cells, okay, you, you wanna add, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in things that I'm making up now, so you go ahead and tell us. There's a vital distinction. Okay. And that is that ordinary laser invisible wavelengths has a coherent penetration of up to about five millimeters. The reconfigured waveform we've created, the type of signal we use to wake up the stem cells has a much greater depth of penetration. Okay. Part of the waveform may well pass through the body all the way from one side to the other along the line of the beam. Nice. There's another aspect to it without being technical mm -hmm. of the visible light that remains that in essence is almost holographically reconstructed deep in tissue that can go 10 to 20 times deeper even than the ordinary light signal. So we're overcoming the depth of penetration barrier, and we're literally creating almost like a tractor beam using Star Trek metaphors for attracting the stem cells to go three-dimensionally in the precise tissue we want them not only to migrate wow. to, but to become sticky and to alter the adhesion mechanism, which we have d demonstrated in the lab from our very earliest work. We upregulate the expression of cell adhesion so the cells are drawn there, they stick there, and cell adhesion is also the mechanism of cell-to-cell -cell communication. So the cells in that new tissue can get the instructions of what the body needs in that area, whether it's a new nerve or new heart cell or new cartilage cell. So let's say you've lost feeling in your hand mm -hmm. and there was some nerve damage and you've injected these stem cells and you've used this photoacoustic system. And when the cells get to that area, not only do they go to the right tissue area, but they adhere, meaning they go to receptor sites of some type or they find their place in the community of cells that represent that nerve, if you will. And uh, the person who prior to the injection was loss of feeling, uh, uh, did, there was just very poor function. Within hours and within days, the cells populate, they take on the community, and they even maybe signal the other old cells or damaged cells that, hey, guys, correct your signal. You're, you're off. Let's, let's sing together. Let's have an orchestra. Let's, let's hum like good nerve cells. And then this problem in the hand, if you will, starts to go away after maybe one, two, maybe at most three treatments. Not inexpensive, but what's the cost of a, of a surgery that may not really address the issue? What's the cost of 
of drug inter intervention? What's the cost of chemotherapy? What's the cost of, I mean, and, and the downtime, the rehabilitation time for these people. Uh, to me, it seems like, if you will, a no brainer <laughs> to, to like, let's at least try it. And it, although insurance maybe hasn't quite caught up to this, certainly it's a private pay issue and it's a decision that each individual makes. But I know I've undergone multiple treatments. I believe you have as well. I've experienced some rather dramatic improvements using uh, various types of stem cells and a few adverse that I won't use again for, as we discussed a little bit about fat cells versus cord blood and bone marrow. So that being said, you're, you're talking about the next level of these embryonic-like stem cells that are small enough, two to three microns, that can get through to the capillaries and actually get to the areas of need, whereas prior, some of the bigger stem cells, if you will, are just too large. The micron mechanical size of 25 microns, if you will, can't squeeze through the smallest capillary beds to get to the area of greatest need. Did I say that right? Exactly. Wow. Okay. We're having fun now. So I'm feeling good because I did write the book stem cell for joint fitness. I know you have a book that's either out in publishment and we'll make sure in the show notes that people find out about it. What's the title of that book? Growing Younger. Oh, wow. Perfect. <laughs> I, I have a, a book, Grow Young and Slim, so I'm feeling younger already. And so how soon can I have uh, this treatment, Dr. Todd Ovakitis? And uh, it's down in Southern California, so they fly into San Diego Airport or, Airport or Santa Ana Airport or LAX. And, you know, depending on your drive time to get to uh, Carlsbad. Carlsbad area, nice area to hang out. Lovely. And the procedure takes only about how long? Generally, unless the history and physical is very complex two hours start to finish okay so uh, two to three. should people kind of relax is there some kind of a set thing they shouldn't be drinking alcohol that day they should be eating healthy foods if you will more compatible with the the reception of these superhero stem cells if you will right as you correctly intuitively recommend no smoking or drinking mm -hmm. at least for a week before and ideally not for six weeks after to create uh -huh. the ideal environment to welcome these freshly awakened cells to repair and regenerate whatever is the highest priority for that person and we also provide a whole nutraceutical enhancement program to give the cells the micronutrients they need to be as effective as possible which is certainly after your style of giving Delgado protocols for things uh, to make everything work better, as well as lifestyle recommendations. And we look at each person individually, and there is a calling upon of various technologies and adjuncts to create the best result for any given individual, with the core of it being these newly awakened stem cells whose mission in life is to regenerate and to bring a tissue back into a more youthful state. Okay. So individuals can avail themselves to the show link. They can have a, essentially a free evaluation. I don't want to inundate you with a bunch of individuals that like aren't prepared to step forward, but if they are a candidate and they want to chat with us initially and get a, a sense for, you know, what, what's involved and, and certainly, you know, whatever uh, financial investment is involved, of course, uh, we can discuss those things and then uh, review uh, each individual's case history. Is it helpful to get uh, some of their medical records? Uh, MRIs, uh, any of the reports, is that important for your files or is it uh, essentially, you know, they know they have the issue, it's already been diagnosed, they're not coming to be diagnosed, they're, mm -hmm. they're coming to uh, intervene 
from a regenerative perspective? Very good question. And it's important to clarify that the majority of our treatments to date have just been for anti-aging. Nice. Just people who want to be younger from head to toe. And if we do a procedure for anti-aging, we send the cells to the parts of the body that tend to regenerate more slowly. So send it to oh. the brain, spinal cord, and the endocrine system. Pituitary, pinothyroid, thymus, plus or minus gonads. Now the gonads are interesting okay. because the V cells have been shown to be able to make new sperm and new eggs and maybe the only generally useful stem cell that could actually repopulate the ovaries. So we caution women, if they've been menopausal, that they could become not so and potentially fertile again. Wow, I could have a new baby. <laughs> I could have number six. <laughs> Ladies, beware. <laughs> I'll say. So I'm loving it. This is great. This is great. Total rejuvenation. So and, the mission, yes. And I'm sorry. And Go to, ahead. To answer the rest of it, yes, if someone has a medical issue, we would like the medical records. Okay. If there's a particular localized issue, we would like to see the scans, particularly mm -hmm. as it may guide our localization step three-dimensionally. Wow. Revolutionary, to say the least. And uh, I don't know anyone out there who's viewing or listening to the show doesn't want to have a group of superheroes reawakened within the body and kind of go in there and start doing their wondrous work. I mean, I, I, I just know that whether you're a competitive athlete or a senior athlete like me, uh, or you're doing certain things in your life that uh, has caused undue amounts of stress to your body. Uh, possibly uh, there's tissues that are aging more rapidly or just the normal consequence of aging. Uh, we know there's kind of benchmarks at which people and the cells rejuvenate or replicate a certain number of times and then just things start to decline. I, I have clients not just in their 30s, 40s, 50s, but 60s, 70s, uh, 80s. And, and now one of my oldest clients is 92. And I, I think about the challenges. They become far greater as we reach each decade of age. And I know the viewers watching can uh, associate with this. So it's interesting that people are finally getting a clue that there is a benefit in thinking about this aging process and doing what we can to stave off and or enhance the body's immune system, the muscle skeletal system, the nervous system. Uh, what is it that you want our audience to know in, in final words here? Uh, what should they know? And what is the outlook and perspective of this? Because for whatever reason, it may take years before governmental agencies, insurance agencies kept catch up. But I am working with some insurance companies that are really intrigued and actually starting to apply concepts of wellness with complementary, some people call it alternative medicine. So with the field being wide open, what would you like our audience to know? I think the awesome news of the day is that somehow divine guidance God, him, her, or itself has provided us with an ideal regenerative cell that is so powerful that throughout our lives it is waiting to literally reset the clock of our tissues even to a newborn level. And it is an opportunity as we evolve the art of awakening these cells and using them that I really believe we can rewrite our biological potential, how long we can live, how healthy we can live, how youthful we can be. 
Well, I have a travel schedule that's rather intense, but in a few weeks, um, I'll probably uh, be able to slip down to Carlsbad and I'd love to have a treatment myself. And so that being said, uh, do you have like a general intervention? Cause I don't really don't have any like obvious, like, you know, issues. Cause I've, I've undergone multiple stem cell treatments. I'm take care of my body. I work out, I do all the proper lifestyle medicine, uh, approaches because, you know, my goal is to live far beyond 100. I mean, certainly, uh, the oldest living individuals, 123, I believe Jean Calumet who passed in a senior center and, uh, unfortunately dehydration. And you could see the elements of aging, you know, all over her body and, and anyone who knows an 80 or 90 year old or someone reaching 100 it, it's not such an elegant thing so is this something that uh, let's say i undergo two or three treatments uh might i notice some differences in my physical activity my sexual activity my energy uh, my ability to rejuvenate as i train with weights uh, is there some things that some of your clients have noticed in this area absolutely from a general anti-aging sense one of the most interesting observations has been that people's muscles tend to grow. I'm loving that because mm -hmm. there is sarcopenia. As you age, that's one of the huge risks uh, as we age is that we just don't have the lean body mass, the muscle density going into the senior years to even support uh, healthy physical activity. Right. People describe the muscles growing even without going to the gym, much less if they actually give themselves the anabolic stimulus of, of weightlifting. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's counterproductive to also employ herbs and supplements and bioidentical hormones where they're needed. But what you're saying is some of the organ systems start generating maybe the pineal gland, the uh, adrenals, possibly even uh, the testes, as you said. Some of these uh, organ systems start producing more youthful levels of hormones. Right, so we've generally observed more physical energy, better cognition, more memory, greater physical vitality, altitude resistance, being able to go to high altitudes and not feel fatigued or tired, and virtually every other type of anti-aging experience you could imagine, including periods returning, hair growing, skin looking more youthful, even some wrinkles disappearing. Oh, wow. Now, more of the fine line wrinkles, the deep line ones haven't quite been um, broached yet, or what? where are we at with that as far as you can tell? That kind of needs microneedling and maybe a little filler, but we have cosmetic approaches as well. Okay. And, and I know there's some advancements where uh, some of the bioidentical uh, endocrinological interventions are using rather than say Botox, which deadens the tissues, there might be ways to say, uh, do the injections in the areas where the, the deeper lines are and add that with these V cell stem cells. Uh, also, you have images that you've shown me that will include in the show notes or in the post-production of hair regrowing. I mean, right. that's huge. And skin, I mean, you showed some amazing images of women before and after. <laughs> Hey, I, 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 look, I'm a guy. I, I like my skin as well, right? And everyone gets up close and they go, oh, you're looking pretty good or you're not looking so good, right? So do do these injections go directly into where the fine lines are or yes. where they do? Yes. And what about for the scalp for hair regrowth? It's kind of like PRP, isn't it? Uh, platelet enrichment plasma, but what's the difference? Well, the main difference is that we transform PRP from a growth factor infusion to an actual pluripotential one-day-old caliber stem cell treatment. So it's not just growth factors, that's a one-shot deal. 
It's the cells that can actually ongoingly produce more growth and repair factors and repopulate the follicles to make new hair or to repopulate the skin to create more collagen-producing fibroblasts. Now, I have a big audience that, uh, as people know, I wrote the book, uh, Acne Be Gone for Good, with my co-author, Dr. Sonia uh, Batarisi Banasel, and she is one of the top board-certified dermatologists. So this may be some pretty revolutionary news, uh, particularly for people who have damaged skin uh, mm -hmm. after acne or they've had surgical interventions to try and kind of correct with laser, if you will, um, the damage uh, to their skin. Uh, is there some possible uh, improvements to, uh, say, skin that uh, has has been damaged in, in various ways? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Wow. I, I have to admit, uh, the cosmetic <laughs> area is so intriguing that you'll probably get uh, an incredible number of people wanting to come and be evaluated for uh, hair restoration and, and, uh, and uh, skin improvement because the reality is people will spend... Uh, I know ten, fifteen thousand dollars for some of these hair restoration programs. Uh, they'll they'll spend significant amounts of money for their skin and the quality of the skin. Uh, so the fact that they can build the skin, the body, the hair, the muscles, um, I think the price point's about right for what 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 a procedure runs because you know the the ones I mentioned are kind of in that category, and essentially a, a vial transfer is about close to that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is Dr. Nick Delgado and Dr. Todd Ovakaitis. And I know uh, your heritage is from Lith Lithuania. Lithuania. And you're uh, able to speak multiple languages. Uh, and you're an accomplished. What are your favorite sports or uh, pastimes? Uh, basketball. I'm a ballroom dancer. Oh. Uh, I'm professionally certified as an instructor since age of 16. Wow. Do you notice a change in your performance on the dance floor and so forth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right, everyone. Dr. Nick Delgado, living beyond 124, being strong, <laughs> being happy and healthy. No promises, but if you follow me on this journey, I think you're going to get real close, if not hit the mark. Thank you, everyone. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be Esterblock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.